welcome to episode 9 of Lars and Pride in Liverpool. My name's Lewis and over the next half hour, use it in for the truth because I've got two of the co-founders of LCR Pride Foundation talking all things Pride. So first, we'll hear from Chief Exec Andy Herring and he'll be talking about this year's theme from now on, which is essentially focusing on activism and bringing change for the community. We then hear from John Baird, who's no longer with the organisation, but he'll be talking about the role that he plays in setting it up. He also talks about getting engaged at Pride in Liverpool back in 2019. So sit back and enjoy. So I'm here today with Andy Herring, who is the CEO of Liverpool City Region Pride Foundation and also one of the co-founders. How are you today, Andy? Brilliant, yeah, it's, it's really good. Kind of Everything's really busy, things are starting to look really positive, so it's, yeah, it's good. And how's it going here with the organisation? Because obviously there's no way in Pride and Liverpool going forward this year, but you've got a lot of exciting things coming up. Yeah, it's been such a weird, well, year and a bit now, hasn't it? Um, we, yeah, as you say, Pride of Liverpool, we had to cancel and we've had to cancel again for this year. And um, you'd think things would go go really quiet and, and we'd, we'd kind of try and figure out what's happening for, for next year. But actually, as, a, as an organisation, we've used the opportunity to kind of grow, do more things that we set up to do and, and, and try and kind of make sure that we stay active. And, and we've done a lot more actually than we would usually be doing so it's, it's it's been really positive for us it's been a nice experience for us to actually get into the the activism side the the actually supporting community side of it as well as the event stuff um and yeah okay it's a shame of course isn't it that we can't do pride in liverpool i'd much rather be kind of on an event site than doing virtual things necessarily but it, it's important that we carried on doing doing the work that we set up to do and not just focusing on that one day event definitely and as well i think it's important to say as well that like the reason that Pride in Liverpool isn't going ahead this year is because you want to keep it like a free event. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Pride in Liverpool costs nearly £200,000 to, to put on. And obviously that money has to come from somewhere. And we try our hardest to get money from sponsors and funding and, and um, people like the city and the metro mayors and people like that that, that obviously have an investment in Pride happening and, and want to see us supporting people. But it's it's a lot of money. And, and with the uncertainty of COVID and what restrictions we might have to put in, whether that's extra security to keep capacities down or even testing or, or verification when you come on it just it would have just kind of put the not only the price of the event out, out out in the middle of nowhere but also the the kind of accessibility of it as well we we pride ourselves on being free as you say we, we want anyone to be able to come to the event and not have to necessarily get turned away and all those things and the idea of putting capacities or even worse tickets onto it just means that we put another barrier up to people that can't attend all the prides in the region, for instance. And um, it's yeah, it's, it's really important for us to do that. So we we, we decided early on, um, let's let's hold fire and, and and postpone for another year, unfortunately. But um, it's we think it's the right thing to do because again, even for us, one of our most important bits is that march. And how could you then get twelve thousand people to march and get into a site where they've then got to have a test? Or it just it just doesn't work as as you can probably imagine. So. Um, it's been yeah, it's been interesting, but yeah, I think the right right decision. Well, before we hear more about this year's theme and what else um, the organisation's got going on, it just tell us a bit more about your role with LCR Power Foundation and how the organisation came about. Yeah, um, so I'm the chief exec of the organisation. I've been in post um, as interim and, and now chief exec for about a year. So kind of just as the pandemic hit, um, and that all came around because. Um, as an organisation, we recognise we needed to grow and, and keep keep that momentum going. Um, the organisation itself is still new as well. It came around in 2019 when um, we sat down and went, OK, well, how do we take Pride beyond the Pride event? We don't just want to be a charity that 
is washing its face and and doing doing an event every year we want that to and of course that means a lot to people and does a lot of work but how do we take that further how do we support all these communities in the region as well not just in Liverpool and how, how do we do that so that that was where it started and kind of we sat down and went okay well let's let's look at that organization and what that what that means to people and that's where the foundation came in is we wanted to be that hub for everyone to be able to come and turn to to ask about support or who do they need to speak to and partners so other organizations come to us to find out how they work with other organizations and communities so rather than kind of necessarily delivering all the services ourselves being that go-to body that that ultimately gets more people working together to help the LGBT community in the city region. And this year's theme from now on focuses on activism and it calls on organizations to do their part to bring change for the LGBT community so what inspired this theme and how do LCR Pride plan to deliver it? Um, so again, we try and make sure that our themes mean something to the community and um, whilst obviously having something we can dress up as is is, is, is fun, um, we, we kind of saw this year as an opportunity to say, right, okay, well, we've had a, a really rubbish year uh, with COVID and all the other factors that are going on as well as, um, and I will come into the kind of um, things that are still affecting the community. And it it just felt right to be able to say, well, let's take stock and let's figure out from now on what we as an organisation, what pride will be coming back, but also what are the things that we still need to be focusing on because ultimately the the, the job's not done, the, the kind of, there are still things that are negatively affecting LGBT people in the city region, let alone worldwide. And the, the whole theme around from now on is, yeah, drawing that line in the sand and how do we make a difference to those people's lives and how can we as individuals, can organisations make that pledge so that it really is about, okay, well, what do we need to do to do that and how are we going to do it? And so, I mean, ironically, yeah, how are we going to do it is kind of um, something that's changed over the last uh, kind of six months because of the, the pandemic and the changes we've had. It would have been great to have kind of had an event and brought Pride back in a form that people would see as how it's going to go forward from now on. But of course, we can't do that. So it's really around activism and trying to encourage people to say, well, okay, yeah, okay, we're still isolated and hopefully we're going in the right direction that people can get back out and about. But how can you make a difference so sharing those resources getting people engaged in that and we've got quite a few things coming up over the summer that hopefully will do that in terms of helping people find what's out there helping as i say even organizations in the region understand what other organizations in other parts of the region are doing which is surprisingly um kind of people don't talk as, as we know so we're trying to get people to to kind of open up about what what's available and what what can we do to make it better for, for lgbt people going forward and what would you say are the issues that our community is facing right now that you'd like to focus on tackling? Yeah, I guess it's, yeah, where do you begin? Obviously, we, we've got the here and now, um, the issues that COVID's bringing that I think even for the next few years to come, we're going to be finding out the impact that's had on people's mental health and um, access to healthcare and things like that. So there's the here and now and obviously helping make sure that people aren't put into any worse situations. Let's try and get people connected with support and connected with each other and things like that. But then also, of course, there's everything that's been going on in the background as well, whether that's the kind of fight to, to ban conversion therapy or um, equalised blood donation and all the different things there and, and kind of the stuff that in the background, a lot of what the work we do in terms of working with organisations to improve things and, and, and understand that is is kind of where, where we, we want to focus on. We want to try and open up the dialogue about all those issues really, rather than necessarily focusing on a couple, um, but how, how we get people engaged and obviously different parts of the community have very different different issues affecting them and um so yeah it's, it's really an open kind of again with the from now on theme it's a really open call to say okay well what what is affecting you and, and hopefully what we can do is then come back and go well 
this is things these are things that you can do to help or this is a site that you can visit that's got informational resources and things like that just to again keep people connected to those issues but there are as, as we've seen even the the government um during all this are still attacking away at our um, our kind of um, rights and things like the gender recognition act and 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 conversion therapy obviously being really prominent ones at the moment but um it, it just shows we can't take our foot off that pedal and forget that we're still ultimately not being treated as equals so you yourself like they what drives your own activism and your work within the community so yeah in terms of my own activism um i guess yeah i can't say no to doing things and i I kind of I always end up roped into things which is great and it obviously I think hopefully helps us understand wider parts of the community but I guess it's just around that that seeing the potential that you can do and make change so um, as I say with a physical event like Pride you can see those people come together some who have never been to a Pride before some that maybe aren't clued up about how the community works and might have some prejudices that then those barriers start breaking down so you can start to physically see the the impact you can make but also that that wider stuff, as I say, the behind the scenes, the supporting people into healthcare, the uh, preventing homelessness, all those things that, that as an organisation we touch on through all our partners that we work with, like you can actually physically see changes that you're helping in other people's lives. So I think, yeah, that that for me is the, the kind of thing that makes it worthwhile, but also kind of probably spurs me on to carry on doing it rather than kind of it's a job done, off we go sort of thing. So yeah, it's, it's just nice to be able to kind of hands-on see that, that, that changing. Because you were the... When you're an LGBT officer um, at university as well. Yeah, way back. So I think that that's kind of how it started. I um, went to Liverpool Hope, um, at which point the the LGBT campaign has obviously been been going as part of the union for for a long time, and and as a union had made that, but obviously with the university trying to get more changes and and things like that. So yeah, we we for two years actually was was kind of the thing that kind of dipped my toe into this and started to find out about Pride and started to find out about the Stanley Street Quarter and all the different parts of the, the community that that were in Liverpool and, and just started to get more and more involved really and it, it was really interesting obviously you see it from a very student focused position and then starting to open up to all these different parts of the community it was, it was really interesting. And do you know when at that time was this before like the original Pride in Liverpool that had begun? Uh, no, so that was going. So um, Pride in Liverpool as a festival had, had been going for for ten ten years last year. So um, the yeah, it was still going. It was it was my first Pride that I attended that year and and things like that. So it was um, it was the one that was on the pier head and and kind of again going into a city that had a Pride from kind of living living in the town really was quite quite an interesting kind of change up really. So it was it was dead interesting. And um, one of the things that people can expect, I guess, from LCR Pride this year is the upcoming uh, Nosley Social LGBT Plus events. Uh, so can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, it's, it's a really good one for us to to kind of show that obviously Nosley Social have got a series of summer events that are going on over over lots and lots of weeks and, and loads of different kind of content in there. And um, it's a really good example of how an event that's happening, that's ticketed, that appeals to, appeals to the community can also give back to the community as well. So... Um, when the guys there kind of approached us and said, look, we want to do something in partnership with you. We don't want to just do an LGBT event and stick a rainbow on it. Um, that That's kind of where that came from. So obviously it's it's one of the first socially distanced events in the in the UK and it's it's going to be um, kind of a great atmosphere for people to start coming back together. It's in, in Nosley Safari Park. So um, you can kind of um, expect it kind of to be a little bit different than what you'd expect maybe in a city centre. So yeah, it, it looks really exciting. Um, I know they've still got some announcements to make and, and they're still... Um, kind of taking bookings and tickets for, for a lot of the shows that are selling out. So it's, it's yeah, it's looking looking really good. And I think for, for a lot of people, they're, they're going to feel obviously 
great to be back together again and we can at least have an event that's going to support the community and ultimately that that money goes back into our charity and and it, yeah it really really does help and it's a brilliant lineup as well because the shadow hole and s club as well yeah and i think it's, it's that kind of it will have that um kind of atmosphere that you'd you'd want from the festival part of pride anyway and then yeah it'll be it'll be really cool just to as i say just to be able to be at a gig and be able to kind of see um kind of see real people um so yeah it's definitely going to be a, a kind of highlight of the summer and there's, there's obviously the lgbt social is the one that's supporting our organization but there are there are obviously others throughout the summer as well that, that the guys have organized that really is a um kind of something for everyone so you, you touched on it before about how the pandemic has affected the work that you do at LCR Prides, but it, it more like so, so last year because he was a virtual Prides, weren't they? Um, I remember seeing that. But what, what else has like been going on um, during the pandemic? Yeah, I mean we we changed entirely how we how we did things. Obviously, last year was a little bit more of a kind of knee jerk. We need to do something and react to the fact that um, we had to cancel the event quite a lot more closer to the date than it would have been like this year that we, we chose to cancel and obviously we, we felt the need obviously at that point the community had been thrown straight into lockdown and isolated and put into situation so we, we we decided we need to change that up so last year was very much around reacting to that and, and looking at what we can do so as you say we did we did the virtual march because again the march for us is one of the most important parts of the event so keeping people aware that there's organizations out there and that people are out there supporting um so we got um, over 50 organizations involved in that and it was really really great just to to, to do um that compilation and see kind of people still still being connected and positive um but also then behind the scenes we started to then look at okay what does our organization want to be and when we set up the organization it was never about just doing an event obviously they're really important but it was about at some point we'd like to be able to give money out to grassroots causes we'd like to be supporting organizations so behind the scenes we did a lot of that and obviously by keeping relationships with our sponsors like Barclays and, and people like that, they they understood that message they brought into us as an organisation. So we were able to redirect some funding. So we, we did a community fund last year that will be coming back again this year and just be able to kind of fund grassroots organisations that need need that extra bit of support, especially at the minute, was, was really important for us. So again, that kind of fast track that plan. And then the, the organisation itself, like what who do we need to be sort of supporting and working with? So. We've partnered with organisations like um, there's a charity called Sea Magic, which is uh, one of the NHS, um, which is running one of the NHS um, pilots for um, the the gender um, identity clinics, um, and we're supporting them with their comms and and, and an advisory panel and things like that. That actually, if we were running around as in Pride just itself, we probably wouldn't have been able to to do. So it, it's just been a really nice kind of way of diversifying what our organisation does, but also linking in with the theme kind of from now on how are we going to do both um, we want to make sure that next year when pride comes back and we'll be bigger and better than ever um we've also then got all these other things that we're supporting as well so looking past the pandemic what's next for ltr pride so we've, we've still got plenty to come this year so um with the theme looking around activism and getting people involved in as i say how to find those resources who can support and how how we can do that um so we've got lots of that coming on we've got a few more events like the nosy social event that we've partnered with that again will hopefully keep the community connected help raise some funding for the for the charity um and then we're looking towards 2022 um we, we've got a lot of plans that some that we announced and some that we couldn't announce yet that, that for some events in the regions for instance we've also obviously going to continue that campaigning momentum and that activism momentum so next year is going to be busy um, and for us it's about building that that community of people that are going to keep all these things going but also finding 
sponsors that are going to come in and support things in the Wirral and St Helens and things like that. So, yeah, it, it's really good. And we, we're trying to diversify and, and keep that that learning that we've done over the, the pandemic going and obviously keep supporting the community, really. And it, just more about yourself, Andy. You mentioned the Stanley Street, Stanley Street quarter before. You were actually involved in the like getting that up and running, weren't you, that project? Yeah, so um, when I was at uni, um, part of my dissertation really was working with the council on the, the Stanley Street quarter. So it just been, by that point, it just been identified as the, the LGT quarter and officially recognised, which, um, as you probably remember, it was the kind of the, the first in the UK to be recognised as a, an LGBT space officially by the city and things. So it was really exciting and... Um, and obviously, yeah, the, the standard street quarter has, has changed and evolved over the time. So over the years, it's it's been obviously the city centre's changed, but also LGBT spaces have changed and, and continue to grow. So um, we're actually currently, and again, this will come out over the next couple of weeks, um, we are currently working with the standard street quarter businesses to refresh that quarter, if you like, um, start to support them reopening, because a lot of them will obviously be reopening in the next week or so. Um, and, and kind of bringing that back. So I think it'll be really exciting over the next couple of months, actually, that Again, something that we as Pride are trying to do is facilitate the businesses supporting themselves and supporting the community, but also kind of open that wider conversation about, okay, well, what is the LBC quarter to people? Is it that it's just about clubbing? Is it just, or is it actually, there's all these different factors of communities and safe spaces and young people have a place just as much as kind of physical activity and sport has a place and all those different things. So um, it's gonna be really exciting. And again, another thing that we've got coming up over the summer. I love the yellow brick roads on Stanley Street Quarter. That just makes it, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. And again, that was another example of, um, again, businesses feeding into it. It was the the business improvement districts at the time. Um, obviously, did a, did part of a wider scheme, um, connecting the two parts of the district together. And it was it was um, some of those meetings sitting down with G Bar and the Artist Club and the Highways team and people that have all got different ideas of what it could be and and coming up with something that the community made. So, again, hopefully with the Kind of refreshed um standard street course we're, we're starting those conversations again around the other streets in the area and how do we start making it and improving it for everybody definitely well um andy just one more thing um i normally do a segments on the podcast called queeros and you are today's queero uh, this episode's queero sorry or have you got any of your queeros yourself oh um I guess I mean it's less a person, more of a like something that we found over the, it's over the last year, but even before that with with Pride was uh, actually just LGBT young people generally a, a kind of um, kind of what I would say yeah is, is kind of my queero is the the young people being activists and getting out there and doing things really it's a bit bit of a cop out that one because it's not a person but um, it, it, yeah I think LGBT young people generally are definitely kind of another a group of people that I look up to and go you know what, these people are actually going to make some change here. So I'm joined today by John Bears, one of the co-founders of LCR Proud Foundation. How are you today, John? I'm good, I'm good. It's uh, nice to be on this side of the, um, the microphone than the other side. Yeah, that's right, you, you do hear um, a little bit of told me, don't you? Which was the original LGBT podcast in Liverpool. I mean, I wouldn't quote it as that. I'm sure there's been stuff in the past that, uh, you know, it's more modern, I suppose. Yeah, it's kind of retired a bit at the moment because life takes over. Yeah, fair enough. Well, um, talking about LCR Prides, you've actually stepped down from your role at the organisation, haven't you? But if you could tell us a bit more about the process of setting it up and how it came about. So basically, uh, me, me and co-founder Andy Herring um, were co-chairs of Liverpool Pride and we, we had a bit of a vision for it in 20... I want to say 18 is when we became co-chairs. It might have been 17. 
there was definitely 18 all molds into one when you're in that circle telling you <laughs> um we just had this vision that we wanted to do more than just do pride um that the, the, the Pride organisation, whatever it is, should be one of, one of, if not the leading LGBT organisation in, in that area, you know, to connect the dots for the community around the area. And we just thought, you know what, in, in, its, in its current setup, which has been so successful since 2010, it just needed a bit more oomph. And obviously with, with the setup of um, Liverpool City Region and all that kind of thing, there was loads of different resources we could tap in, but obviously we needed to evolve, I suppose is the word. So we, we sat down and we thought, okay, if we're going to do this, if we're going to like change everything, what do we need to do? So over the course of like, I think we sat down immediately after that, that Pride. So if you think that's the end of July, from August through to I think about January, literally our lives were gay job, day job, gay job, because we'd have meetings at eight o'clock in the morning, do our day job and have meetings in the afternoon after work. It's late into the evening. Um to just you know get get the ball rolling of what we wanted and to make sure that people were on the journey with us and knew that um the previous organization like had our blessing to do what we wanted to do and they were all on board and they understood why we were doing it and that it wasn't it, like you say it was an evolution it wasn't a change it was just going for like the next step to what we could do and then we uh that, that was it we wanted to be the glue that connected all the lgbt organizations and the community in the liverpool city region it was a it was a bit of a whirlwind I don't know if you've seen images of when we officially launched, but uh, that was a bit of a bit of an um, eye opener because we realised that there was representatives from over two hundred and fifty organisations that we had met with in those what five six months. It was a bit of a surreal moment. Yeah, I can imagine. But how does that feel knowing that like you've set up this amazing organisation that's helped so many other organisations and people too? be honest with you when we set it up it was a bit like is this happened of all these people like bought into our idea that that's incredible and the fact that they all had confidence in us from the story that we told i, I don't know I, I don't know if you can really put into words like that that feeling i suppose it's a bit of like euphoria in a sense because personally like i've, I've had like mental health issues in the past about like what people thought of my reasoning behind doing things and the fact that i had this like amazing group of people who were bought into the fact that you know we wanted to help we wanted to do more we just needed to have that institution if you want to call it in place to do it um and everyone wanted to support and work together and collaborate and that was the key word i suppose we all wanted to collaborate i actually remember the <laughs> i i closed we, we had a bit of a to and fro whenever me and andy were together we had an um rather than an Anton Deck relationship we made a joke about it a few times and the fact that I was John Bird and he was Andy Herrings were a bird and a fish I, like I think I said it like in the moment and was like oh my god ha actually whilst I was in a group, front of a group of people I made a joke about it <laughs> uh, it kind of landed flat that one to be honest with you but we, we always have like a tennis kind of thing so you say this I'll say that you say this I'll say that and I ended that meeting and I kind of said, like, as we've said to you, we want to be the glue. So whilst we keep talking about collaborate, you're now all in this room together. Speak to each other. It was great. And you, did you involved then in, because Pride and Liverpool first came about in 2010, didn't it? In the March. Was you a part of that? No, no. So I first got involved with Liverpool Pride's previous incarnation in 2016. And it's all Andy's fault, to be fair. Um, <laughs> I used to be part of like YouTube circles, like making online content, like talking about LGBT issues and that kind of thing, like before the podcast came into play. And um, I decided that I didn't want that London clickiness that 
the way YouTube communities would go and you had to be in the area where there was a YouTube HQ and all that stuff. And, you know, it's the internet. You should be able to do it wherever you are and, you know, get that engagement wherever you are. So I wanted to, like, kind of focus me, me efforts a bit more locally. And Andy had literally just got involved maybe months beforehand. And it was him who kind of introduced me to the trustees at the time and said, John wants to do more locally with LGBT. Like, he does social media can we get him involved? And they were like, yeah. So I just kind of took over the social media for a year. So I came in 2016 and I was social media manager up to 2017's festival. And then I got invited and then got devoted me in to become a trustee myself, which then ultimately led to me and Andy becoming co-chairs in 2018, which is mad. You've done an amazing job at it. Like I, I went to Prada in 2019 um, when it was in the city centre, but that was actually a special occasion for you, Anna, because you got engaged there. <laughs> that was the first one as LCR Pride Foundation. So yeah, that was the first, I suppose, the first incarnation of Pride in Liverpool as opposed to the previous at Liverpool Pride. Yeah. <laughs> so talking about, you know, the, the, the gay job, day job, gay job. Um, it took over my life. It got to a point where my partner was like, I barely saw him. It was driving him nuts. And it, you know what? It got to a point where it got really bad. And it was like, you know what? It, it, you can either sort your shit out. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, yeah, of course. Anything going yeah. on this podcast is fine. Sound. <laughs> so, sort your shit out and, uh, you know, organise your time a bit better. So, you know, like there is time for that, there's time for that, and then there's time for us kind of thing, or, you know, sod off. So <laughs> I had an idea in my head that, you know what, the last few months, my life had been about pride. So for five minutes, I was making pride about us. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. I did. Yeah, you still yeah. It's, it's it's nice to see though. Like that's the first time that's probably ever happened. I pride, well, I pride in Liverpool anyway. Uh, not necessary, actually. Um, really? I, 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 no, I I've caught um, two two proposals at Pride in the previous years. I'm putting them on Pride in Liverpool social media. Um, 2016 was my friends Anne and Emma. So Anne is in the Navy, and Emma used to be a trustee of the Michael Corser Foundation. She now works for Diversity Role Models. But she was she was a talker, so she did quite a lot of speaking on stage, you know, at the March Muster and stuff. Yeah. And Anne came up on stage when Emma didn't realise in a full navy gatalia. Gatalia? Menegalia. Yeah. Um, and proposed on stage. That went viral it was all on Diva magazine. That was all over the stuff because obviously it was it was two women and you were, you kind of stereotyp- stereotypically associate this kind of thing with oh, it's always gay men who do that 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 big thing don't you um and then the following year in 2017 i kind of arranged it with the tritons you know the rugby team oh yeah one of the players wants to propose to his partner we want to make it big we want to do it on the march it's like okay so we arranged it to get it done so it was in front of the town hall so the bits you know the visual on on the on the thing was um with the town hall with everyone behind it so they, they got like a rugby ball that they were passing throughout the march as they went along and then yeah the sneaky one that had like will you marry me on it and when they got to the same point they swapped the ball uh, the, the guy who wanted to propose who helped organise it like throw it to his partner and then got down on one knee and then he looked at it like, and that again that went viral that went on Pink News and all that kind of thing so no no it's, it, it, if anything my one was the least engaged with <laughs> but, but, what about like the wedding and that then so where, when is it? Uh, <laughs> we've um, we've put a date on in 2023 um, over here in Northern Ireland you know so that'll be quite nice because you know they, they only had same uh, equal marriage over not as long as in England um, if I remember rightly I think the act was like came in in 2019 but it's not been legal since till 2020 January okay. 2020 which is incredible which is insane when you think about it and you know what it was that issue it was a mixture of that issue and 
uh, abortion that made the Northern Ireland executive come together after not working for like three years. I think Liverpool's politics are bad. Jeez. Oh, don't, don't get me started on Liverpool politics at the minute. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, um, that was what we were talking about then, like uh, same-sex marriage legalisation and that. Is there any causes in particular that like you think need more attention bringing to? Because obviously uh, the theme for LCR Pride this year is from now on. Um, and that focuses on activism and bringing change. So is there anything in particular that uh, you'd want to bring up and people need to know about? I think the key one now is all, you know, the LGB community being the best ally that they can to the T community. It's not as extreme as this, but I'm going to use the terminology. There's like a very loud slash silent genocide going on of, of the trans community and like character assassination. And it's bizarre. I saw, I saw a comment on a pink news post the other day from a casual turf saying something on the lines of like, I've read the, the trans activist handbook and that this is their main thing. Cause obviously it's, it's, it was about an American news story. So it was about, um, obviously all the stuff going on about uh, trans athletes and stuff. Um, they're trying to, their goal is to invade every women's organization and take it over. It's like this big uh, misogynistic ploy by trans activists. And I just made a joke about it. I, I, I screenshot it and put it on Facebook. This is like hilariously terrifying. The fact that these people genuinely believe this. And I shared it on Twitter. I don't know if you know Joss Pryor. Uh, she's like a trans activist. Okay. And I just tagged her and saying, can I have one of these handbooks, please? Because I've never seen one. And it's back with like, oh yeah, that's a handbook that, you know, we're making war- robots for the war from the trans to everyone else. Because it's just a joke. But it's the fact that these people who, you know what, are quite prolific and have quite a loud voice. Um seem to be winning in certain places against our poor trans community and you've got blooming organizations like letter 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 alliance that i just don't want to mention properly you know who are like just enemies against their own kind i don't know how you can have any form of equality fight and not include the full alphabet soup at all and if you're lgbt and you're not an ally to the trans community then you need to have a word with yourself you know, you know, another thing as well, like, um, obviously this week, the, the biggest topic I'd say is like banning conversion therapy. But have you, have you seen with, with that, that they're um, going to be excluding uh, religious groups and whatnot? Yeah, there's like a certain phrasing, isn't there? Like, it's like non-coerced conversion therapy or something like that. So, which the be all is, if the person willingly goes to it, then they're saying you can do it, which I think is completely wrong because like people will might say they're willingly going to it but they're not they're being forced by parents or they've been indoctrinated to think that what 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 they feel is wrong when it's it's, it's what you feel it's not wrong um but yeah i think it's, it's it's one of them so everyone's sharing all these posts where it was in the queen's speech about conversion therapy is like is now on the cards like okay it's still it's still one of those two steps forward one step back no, it's the way around isn't it one step forward two steps back <laughs> like <laughs> yes Finally, it's taken years and years after it was in the first manifesto that they were going to, you know, get rid of it. But they're not really. They're given, they're making way to potential benefactors who are like, oh, well, we're going to pull our funding from you if you don't let us do what we want. It should be complete separation, church and state. But that's a different conversation. Yeah, no, definitely. There's, just, there's a lot that needs attention. That's that's why I think the uh, the theme this year for LCR Pride's brilliance. Like, you know, we we're all activists just by existing as queer people, but. It's it's time it is time to start acting on that change. Like change needs to come and it needs to come fast. Definitely, and I think what's interesting about the, the the theme from now on, it's like what can we take from the past and make now? 
that's how I like kind of interpret it in a sense, like from now on. So okay, we've come so far, what still hasn't happened? What are we still doing? What what seemed a bit like like, like for example, you use the arguments of like trans people are getting the exact same narrative thrown at them that we that that gay people were getting in, in like the eighties, uh, during like the height of the AIDS epidemic and stuff like that. How how is that narrative able to repeat itself and why is it not like that was a sound effect for those listening. <laughs> By like a you know, nail, not a nail on the head and it straight away, like nipper in the bud. Like we've seen this history is repeating itself and look what happened. Like we've got equality to an extent. So why are you now targeting someone else? And we know full well that you might, you know, knock some people down on the way to, you know, getting what the equality there, but let's be honest, we'll, we'll get there. Just stop making it difficult. What is your problem? What, what does this person's life and it's the same argument. We've all said it. Like, what, what does this person's life that's got nothing to do with you have to do with you? I can say it all the time. It's so frustrating, isn't it? What other LGBT projects have you been working on since Stefan's arm um, from your role at LCR Pride? I'll be honest with you. I took a good good bit of time for myself because it had been my life since 2016. So, like, what, that's four or five years of, of non-stop LGB, LG nearly said LG penis then. <laughs> LGB penis. <laughs> that's, um, that's a new um, activist group coming soon. <laughs> Have you seen that TikTok? You can't spell happiness without P-E-N-I-S. <laughs> um, so yes, I just took a bit of time for myself. Um, I even stepped away from the day jobs, LGBT network kind of thing, but um, I've now gotten myself back into a space where like, I want to get back into it. Um, if anything, coming over to Northern Ireland opens my eyes to like there's so much that, that so much potential. It's like an untapped thing going on in Northern Ireland because there's this weird political spectrum over here that if you that I'm not I'm, I will not go into it because I don't understand it completely. But I just find it really interesting. Like there's so much going on over here um, that has already happened in England, and at the same time, there's a conversion therapy the legislation to ban that came into effect in Northern Ireland or, well, you know, the start of the conversations for it in Northern Ireland before England. Might have a couple of months, but it still happened. Um, so I've, I've started reaching out to different organisations over here just to, like, say, you know what, I'm, well, not quite settled, I'm not me around yet, but I've been here for nearly six months. I feel like I'm now in a position to, you know, start start understanding what the the, the atmosphere, the environment's like in, in, in Northern Ireland. Definitely. And from a, there's the dogs again. And from a, a work perspective, I've got back and back onto the LGBT networking work. I, I I remain Liverpool lead for it, even though I'm over here. Obviously, I've still got the contacts over there. Um, I've actually got a meeting with Andy coming up to see how we can link up a bit more, and you know, just try and have ongoing conversations to ensure that you know what it should get to a point where I shouldn't have to focus on LGBT organizations to support lgbt people it should just be a thing where right i'm, I'm part of a day job um that that does things that support the community the lgbt community should be part of that in general anyway um so who knows i think i think i might end up doing a bit more voluntarily wise in northern ireland different organizations the difference is i'm not in the city anymore i'm kind of in like rural areas which is quite nice um so we'll see. We're at a point now where I'm just kind of planning. I'm trying to think of like ways to get like some inroads in Northern Ireland and see how we can connect and like use the expertise that I picked up from like the people that I worked with in Liverpool Pride and then the experience that 
I got through working with Andy and setting up LCR Pride Foundation. Um, and just see what we can do. Another um, segment that I do, and um, you are so like you, you and you and Andy are the uh, the queeros, and that's like a segment that I do every episode, celebrating obviously like queer heroes and whatnot. But do you have any of your own queeros? You know what? One of the whenever someone asks me the question of like who who who's one of the most like influential LGBT people you like you know you look up to, you know what was quite prominent on me was watching Milk. Oh yeah, you know about. About Harvey Milk, um, the first openly elected, openly gay elected official in California who was assassinated for being gay. Um, just, just his whole ethos was, you know, come out, come out to your friends and family because once they know that you are gay, the likelihood is that they'll stop having homophobic views. Obviously, that's not the case in all the all the way, but I think that the argument was more because at the, the, that argument was for there was there was this this. <clears throat> proposition in california coming in at the time called proposition six where they were trying to like basically fire all homosexual teachers and anyone who supported them for spreading the gay propaganda uh, of course um and he wanted to say like once people know how many of us there are and that they they will likely know one of us if not several of us then their their opinions are likely to change um and just you know allowing people to be their true authentic selves so that just kind of like resonated in me of the fact that, you know what, the amount of people who probably wouldn't be homophobic once they realised, or transphobic or biphobic or whatever, um, once they realise that they know probably a lot of people who identify as LGBTQ+. That's all for this episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, let us know. Leave us a rating or review. You can find out more about us through our socials and we can be found at Loud and Proud In on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to get involved, send us a message there or to our email at Loud and Proud In. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. So yeah, I'll see you next time.